Hello and welcome to this GCP short produced in collaboration with friends of the podcast Marsh Captive Solutions. Over the next 15 minutes or so, we're going to be exploring a topic that I've wanted to cover in detail for quite some time now, and that is the growth of third-party risk in captives. As we will hear from Michael Sericchio, now America's sales and advisory leader at Marsh Captive Solutions, third-party risk is a broad term that encapsulates a lot of different types of insurance, but we will be really honing in on one area specifically when we are joined by Rich Serena, Senior Manager for Risk Management at Canon USA. Now, I will let Rich tell you his own story in in just a moment, but Canon have been utilizing a cell captive since 2018 for writing their third-party risk program. So we will also be hearing from Donna Weber, who is responsible for management of Marsh's global protected cell companies. And Mike and Donna both explain why we're particularly seeing cells being used in a lot of these third-party risk programs. So without further ado, let's hand over to Mike, Rich and Donna. Mike, I guess uh, a good place to start was I understand that you have got a, a slightly new role at Marsh. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, thanks so much, Richard. So I will be leading sales and advisory for all of the Americas for Marsh Captive Solutions And the reason why we've done that is that we wanted to better align the Marsh and McLennan network, the Marsh brokers with the various zones across the country. So we'll have a West Coast, a South, a Northeast, a Canadian, and also a Latin America hub that will align ourselves a little bit better with our clients and our brokers to drive new sales and innovation and strategy for all of Captive Solutions. Fantastic. And obviously a really busy time at the moment for the captive practice. I know I know that from not just hearing from yourselves, but I see all the licensing activity going on around the world and, and Marsh are, are certainly very present in all the major domiciles as usual. But turning to uh, the topic at hand today, Mike, uh, the third party risk topic, a topic you and I have been discussing for many years. Marsh undertakes a pretty thorough benchmarking exercise and we have Ellen Charlie come on the pod each year to talk about it in depth. What is the latest data telling you about the general captive trends and and third-party risk in particular? Sure, Richard. So later this year, we'll be launching our 2021 captive landscape report, as you know. We'll also be doing a webinar at the end of May that will give a sneak peek of some of the statistics and data that we've gathered. But on the third-party profitable business and unrelated risk in captives, we've seen tremendous growth. So out of our 1,500 or so captives that we manage around the world, 19% of them, so almost one in five captives, has some amount of third-party unrelated risk in it. And the premium volume from 2019 to 2020 was pretty staggering. It grew by 37%. So right now, Marsh Captive Solutions has over $21 billion of third-party business going through its captives. We also grew our number of captives by 17 last year that write some amount of third-party business. And that third-party business could be life. It could be employee benefits. It could be multinational pooling of health. Uh, We have extended warranty programs, contractor vendor programs. We've got a lot of MGA and MGU clients that are looking, especially in the insure tech space, Richard, that are looking to take a share or a sliver or a slice of some of that profitable underwriting 
profit that goes to carriers instead take that into their own captive. Um, and then, of course, as we're going to talk about a little bit later uh, with one of our current clients, we've got we've got large organizations taking different elements of third-party property insurance, uh, cyber risk, workers' comp, auto liability into their captives. And we're going to hear a little bit later from Rich on what he's doing at Canon. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, Mike, you, you run through because third-party risk is such a broad definition, isn't it? It's such a broad pool of different types. You've got things like the life and employee benefits and the medical you talk about, but also that kind of affiliated kind of program business, which might be directly related to a client, which we're going to come on to in a second. So, Mike, it really does encapsulate so many types of risk, doesn't it, the third-party topic? Absolutely, Richard. You know, in this day and age with disruption and communication media technology companies, companies that never before would have thought to offer insurance to their customers. And sometimes we're talking about power and utilities that have four, five, six million customers. Uh, they're offering those customers or their merchants or their employees home and electronic warranty whole house warranty. There's trip cancellation in the hospitality space. There's life insurance. There's, again, you know, pet insurance, voluntary employee benefits, employee benefits for your customers and your employees, and all kinds of different customer programs like personal lines and auto insurance that many car manufacturers are now offering. You know, rideshare, gig economies are, are, are offering their uh, merchants and their gig workers insurance that they need to survive and to be compliant. So you're seeing a lot of different areas of insurance third party grow for all of these different reasons and captives are at the front of that yeah fantastic i'm going to come on to some of the the, the key benefits of that approach and including those kind of programs in your captive to, towards the end but as you mentioned we're delighted to have rich from canon uh, usa join us uh, to talk about how they've used their captive to uh, write third party risk and uh, rich i believe canon usa formed a cell captive in 2018 in order to take a part in uh, a third party risk program can you start off by telling us a little bit about that program and, and how you came to participate in it. Sure, Richard. I'm happy to do that. And thanks for having me on. So Canon, in addition to their award-winning consumer products, such as the cameras and printers, have a large program concerning their commercial imaging solutions to commercial customers. And many of them are household names that you're very well aware of in the area of office multifunction devices, wide format printing, etc. And when we are selling those to our customers, there's also a different option that we offer to them, which is to lease the equipment, very similar to people that are familiar with leasing cars. Instead of buying the car, you lease it for a defined period of time and then return it back to the company. And when we lease those pieces of equipment, we mandate that the customers must provide evidence of replacement cost coverage for the devices themselves. And they can do that either through their existing coverage by providing us with a certificate of insurance showing us that they have that equipment covered, or they can purchase individual coverage for those machines through a commercial carrier, which was historically what Canon had been doing. And we have a fairly large leasing program, and our commercial carrier that we had been utilizing and recommending our customers to purchase the coverage through had a very large insurance program that was very profitable for them. And since several of us are familiar with captives, we took a look at this and enlisted a feasibility study to be performed. And we interviewed many different captive managers and settled with our trusted business partner, Marsh. 
Fantastic. And so how, how easy was it then, Rich, to then work with the carrier, I presume, to, to keep them on, on board to some capacity once the captive entered the program? Because I presume you didn't, the captive doesn't now take all of the program. I presume it's kind of a partnership. No, that's, uh, that's a very good question. It is a partnership with the same carrier that we had utilized, and they knew that this was a very profitable program and that the loss ratios were very low as was borne out by the feasibility study. And the fronting carrier that we decided to continue to keep using and continue that relationship with realized that if we were interested in doing a captive program that we could move the entire business to someone else or a different scheme and instead decided to enter into a sharing reinsurance agreement with them where they are the fronting carrier. They they are part of the risk and get part of the premium and we bear the majority of the risk and the majority of the premium. This worked well for us in that we knew historically, because we had been with this carrier and had a relationship with them for many years, that this was a very stable line of business and that our loss ratio was extremely low and that the carrier was earning quite a bit of profit associated with it. So they were on board because this is not a unique situation where equipment leasing is put into a captive. There are other companies that are doing that. And Canon is a very conservative organization in that we wanted to make sure that this was going to be profitable as it stood on its own. There wasn't a lot of risk associated with that and that it's something that could sustain over time. Yeah. And just to emphasize, it's correct, isn't it, Rich, that the captive was set up for this purpose. It wasn't a captive that already existed and you've added this program to it. The captive was purely set up to, to participate in this in this program. That's correct. We did not have a captive insurance company uh, in Canon's portfolio. And again, we're very conservative in setting these things up. And when we were looking at the variability of having a single parent captive versus a cell captive, we decided that uh, through the strength of Marsh's program, the cell program would work well for us as far as an ease of doing business in that it was less capital, less regulatory fees. We did not have an inordinate amount of regulations being placed on us. And the domicile that we were going to do business in, we felt was very strong and favorable. So I'm going to come on to the, the, the cell specifics with Donna in, in just a moment, Rich. But just lastly from you, what advice would you have for your fellow uh, risk insurance managers if they were considering doing something similar within their own organizations? Would you, would you rate the program to date a success? And, and so what advice might you have for your, for your peers? We feel that the program is very successful, Richard. And I would say that they need to do their due diligence and look at their programs very carefully make sure it's sustainable onto itself, and that you enlist the proper people that can work with you to make sure that it's going to be successful over time and to make sure that they get a very detailed feasibility study. Really good to hear that experience and such a relatively new program as well, to hear that that's really bearing out well for you. Donna, how common is using a, a cell captive for this type of program, a third-party risk program, and, and why can they be particularly suitable for this type of business. Hi, Richard. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. So from what we're seeing at Marsh, I'd say it's very common um, and becoming even more common. So um, currently more than half of our cell clients that are in the implementation phase are looking to set up cells to write some form of third-party risk. 
Um, these can be similar to uh, the controlled third-party business that um, Rich just talked about. And as um, Mike mentioned, we're also seeing a number of these cells being formed by MGAs and MGUs to retain a portion of the book of business that they are either underwriting or producing. And, you know, really this, it makes perfect sense because they have insight into the underwriting results and naturally want to keep a portion of, um, of that profitable business. What we're seeing is these clients are often starting with a small quota share, maybe five to 10%, and then increasing um, as, as time goes on with their program. As far as your second question, why are, why are clients using cells? Um, you know, cells are easier and faster to set up and if need be to close down. Um, they require a bit less um, management time on the client's part and are a bit less expensive than the single parent um, captive alternative. Uh, you mentioned there that you've obviously got a few more cells in the implementation phase, which is always exciting to hear. H how quick can that cell captive formation process be if it if it needs to be particularly quick? So for cells that are uh, retaining risk, um, you know, within their cell, um, and just to clarify, um, what I mean by this is those cells where um, the risk is not fully collateralized. So there is some net risk in the cell. We can get a cell up and running um, within one month approximately if we have all of the data and information from the client for, for the application. So it's a, it's, a, it's a fairly quick process. And um, for fully collateralized cells, we can start, um, you know, start those up in as little as, as one, one to two weeks. And just a quick extra question, Donna, I think it's pretty important to emphasize here as well that Marsh does have cell captive facilities in, in numerous domiciles, both onshore, offshore, Europe, Americas. Uh, that's correct, isn't it? Absolutely. We have, um, we're in seven locations around the globe, um, two in the US, one in uh, Bermuda and Barbados, um, Isle of Man, Guernsey and um, Malta, which can direct right into the EU from Malta. Fantastic. Yeah, I think it's always good to remind people just of, of those jurisdictions which are available for sales and, and in particular that Marsh has a presence in. So, Mike, how common is it then to, to launch a, a captive purely for third party risk? We heard that's the case with, with Canon USA from what, from what Rich told us. Is, is, it, is it common that we see captives launched for that purpose? And is it easier or harder to implement if you already have a, a, a longstanding captive in place? Sure, Richard. So if you've already got a captive in place somewhere around the world in a, in a solid domicile that allows third-party business, it's relatively easy to add third-party business to that captive. And with the exception of life insurance companies and property and casualty insurance companies, and we should have defined MGA and MGU, that's a managing general agency or a managing general underwriter. And think of that as just a, a large agency that writes a large book of business of insurance. It could be third-party, it could be workers' comp, cyber, auto. And what they're looking to do is kind of take some of that risk. So if you're already in that business, it's much more common to start a captive just for third-party business. And that's why there's a lot of agency captive domiciles and agency captive legislation in different domiciles like Vermont and Cayman and DC. 
If you're a corporate, it's a little less common. However, in Canon's case, the business case for doing it was so compelling that it made a lot of sense. And a lot of times a company like that will perhaps start with third party business and then they'll come back and look at all of their corporate risks. So their property, their cyber, their own medical stop loss claims. They'll look at excess liability and DNO and consider using the captive in addition to the third party. But most clients would start with their corporate risk only, but it really all depends on the the thought process, the value drivers, and what that client's looking to do. But many clients will kind of look at their captive and look to diversify it with some property casualty and financial risk, and also third-party business. This way, they've kind of got the portfolio effect working for them as they grow their captives. Yeah, just very lastly, on, on that point then, then, Mike, we hear so often about the benefits of diversification uh, for a captive, whether that's you know, lots and lots of different lines. Obviously, third-party risk is a, is a great way to diversify a captive, and, and particularly in this hard market, Mike, it, it, is that even of even greater benefit where captives are looking to maybe increase their retentions and, and retain more risk themselves because they're trying to use it as a tool to mitigate hardening rates? Is, is If you've got that third-party, is that only going to help you in that endeavor? I would say it certainly is going to help you. It's going to offset some of the costs. It's going to offset some of the um, perhaps, you know, little more catastrophic type loss in one year with some of that profitable business. It's going to give you a nice smoothing effect over the years. And it's going to allow you to kind of bring in more premium, grow your capital and surplus, uh, maybe pay back the organization with loss control and safety initiatives and, and different consulting engagements that can kind of drive down the property and casualty losses while keeping that profitable business. And one last thing to note is that a lot of times this third-party business is helping an independent contractor, helping an employee, helping a merchant or a customer and creating that customer experience with the third-party business that they're perhaps buying a product from you and now they're also buying the insurance from you. And it's a very nice way of keeping that customer experience going. Well, thank you to Michael Sericchio and Donna Weber at Marsh Captive Solutions for their insight and to Rich Serena of Canon USA for sharing his success story of adding third-party risk to a captive. For more information on all of our guests, visit the globalcaptivepodcast.com website and for further info on Marsh Captive Solutions, go to our friends of the podcast section on the site. There are further links in this episode's show notes, so do check them out, but But in the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and see you next time, captives.